Hello, listener, and welcome to the Switch It podcast, where every word counts. Never mind new audiences, it was back to old faithful as Test cricket made its late summer return. And back to the drawing board for England, who still seem troubled by this long-format batting business. Thank goodness the skipper remains in good nick. To discuss Joe Root putting the fun back in fundamentals, as well as the last week's bish-bash-bosh action in the 100, I'm joined by two men who don't need any rebranding to appeal to a younger demographic. ESPN Crick Info's UK editor Andrew Miller, the proud owner of a TikTok account no less, and senior correspondent George DeBell, who's been down with the kids since Dylan went electric. Good to see you both. <laughs> um, Miller, how did you find the juxtaposition of the Trent Bridge test and the 100, aside from potentially migraine-inducing? Well, I'll tell you what it was. It was it was fascinating how quickly the attention, maybe it was just my attention, but I think it was more broad attention switched back to Test cricket. I, I felt as though all of a sudden there'd been this massive momentum building up for the hundred. Then suddenly everyone thought, "Oh yeah, look, Test cricket's back. This is this is this is this is what we're in for." Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's there's a whole new demographic has been unleashed that is that has been hooked by the hundred so far. Um, I must admit, I didn't pay a huge amount of attention. I was aware that a certain Moeen Ali may have been boshing it around a fair amount while 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 attention was elsewhere. Um, we'll come to him in due course, I'm sure. But most fundamentally, I think it really highlighted the, the, the difficulty of the scheduling at the moment. You could call it the absurdity of the scheduling, but to have a marquee test series with no build-up, suddenly centre stage, overshadowing a 100-ball uh, format with three and a half years of build-up, um, strikes me as uh, getting straight to the nub of the issue is that how can you have two such competing formats in the same window at the same time and expect uh, everyone to be excited about both at the same time? I I found it complicated to to pay due attention to to the latter because I was hooked by the former. Well, that that's a very uh, legacy journo position to take. I think um, isn't uh... it? I know. I'm terribly, I'm terribly sorry. I'm 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 not, not up to speed yet. Fortunately, I think um, given the weather over the last week or so, when it was raining in Nottingham, it it, it tended to to not be where the hundred was and, and vice versa. So um, uh, something something going for the scheduling there, um, George. We will come on to uh, to your um, thoughts on the hundred uh, in due course, but uh, the test match is the matter at hand. Fair to say. England was saved by the weather in the end, or or could they have sneaked it despite India uh, only needing 157 with nine wickets in hand uh, on what should have been the final day? India were strong favourites, weren't they? So I, I thought that they batted fantastically well in that little session at the end of day four, when it was really, really difficult. And so it is absolutely possible that England could have taken some early wickets and put them under pressure. Of course it is. I mean, we saw it happen twice on their last test tour here, didn't we? It's not so different from the situation at Edgbaston. I think they were bowled out for 180-odd. So um, uh, England definitely could have put them under pressure, but, you know, they would have been relieved, really. India had the better of that game. They looked the stronger side. But uh, maybe England will have regrouped and improved. But I think England have got their work cut out this summer. (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Miller has already um, written them off, uh, as anyone who listened to the last episode of the pod will know. Um, it is on as even after the first test of the series, as Joe Root played the Sheriff of Nottingham to help prevent Virat Kohli and his band of merry men from robbing England's richly resourced but poorly performing team. Uh, a paltry first innings of 183 left them facing a 95-run deficit before Root's 21st Test 100 
gave them a chance of turning things around. Um, Miller, it, the route maths were pretty simple on this occasion. Uh, subtract his 173 runs and England were left with a, a whole heap of not very much. Weren't they just? I mean, uh, what, what an extraordinary display. I mean, you know, hyperbola is, 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 is thick in the air in, in, this, in this summer of all summers, but it's not, it's not hyperbolic to say that that was an outstanding performance, his 21st century, I think, and, and quite possibly his best. I mean, you know, he scored, he scored more runs, he scored more crucial series-winning runs, perhaps, but uh, this, was, this was him holding together a ship that, frankly, he was the only man left standing on. I mean, his sidekick... Ben Stokes, he tweeted uh, emotional, you know, something along the lines of he's my man forever. Um, you know, he's he's lost his sidekick. He's lost the the one guy on whom he has been able to rely pretty much throughout his captaincy as, as, as a guy who who will front up alongside him. Uh, you know, look down that first innings, the next highest score is 29 from Johnny Bairstow, who I thought actually played magnificently in the circumstances in both innings. Given given his his coming in straight in off the hundred and and not only off the hundred but off the fact that he's in such prime white ball form, expecting him then to unlearn all of that and go back to red ball form overnight was 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 a hardship in my opinion and uh, I thought he did it well, but yeah, his his uh, his tw- his thirty in the second innings only bettered among the also runs by Sam Curran's thirty two. I mean, you know, take take out route and there's absolutely nothing left standing and it it was. Yeah, uh, George has already 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 alluded to it, but they they got away with murder in this test. I I thought they were going to get hammered. I thought that right from the moment they were bowled out on that first day, you know that that when when um Bairstow got out on the stroke of tea, uh, just to undermine that 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 sense of uh, slight calm, and then all hell broke loose. What was it? Six wickets with twenty two after uh, uh, wicket to wicket. Uh, I mean, you, you can't you can't be expecting to to dominate series, let alone let alone survive in them. Uh, with that sort of uh, meltdown in the first innings, so, and I'm sure we'll get onto it, but you can't really fault England's batters in in the most direct sense because I mean, what are they meant to do? How are they meant to practice against Jaspeet Bumrah armed with a new ball, a red new ball, uh, or a red old ball as it turned out, um, when they haven't been practicing against any red ball? Um, there's there's an awful lot of holes in the narrative for England, and um, they're they're very lucky to be able to go to Lords uh, and and start again. Yeah, we, we will get on to the systemic failings, I'm sure. Um, George, just on route, I mean, you wrote about uh, the sort of uh, the burden he's been under, really, and, and some of the, the signs um, that we're beginning to show there for, for the captain, uh, which makes his performance all the more remarkable, I suppose. Yeah, I, I was a bit worried about him. I think a, a few of us were that um, there were a few signs that it was all getting a bit much for him. And also he's been building for the ashes for years. And that's falling apart in front of his eyes. He's not going to take that team that he wanted to, is he? To, to Australia, there's no Joffre. There probably will be no Stokes. So it, it's uh, really, really difficult for him. And I, I, going into the game, yeah, I was worried about him. So at some stage, he has decided to embrace the pressures. That 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 was what came out when he spoke after. Was it on the fourth night uh, after he completed the hundred? And he talked a lot about, I just want to focus on the fun. And I think that's really wise. It's often much easier said than done, of course. But he did look as if he were enjoying it quite often. He had that that sort of cheeky smile back, which is really great to see. And uh, he looked like a man who loved batting. And why wouldn't he when you're as good at something as he is? I, I thought it was a terrific innings. Um, and absolutely, it kept England's heads above water. 
uh, and it's given them a chance to regroup and go again. I'm not at all optimistic, as I say, that they'll be able to take that. But uh, at least while he's firing, they've got a chance. And they've always got a chance with the bowlers they have as well. Yeah, I thought Ollie Robinson was a, a bit of an unsung hero. I think he's, I don't know, he's almost the first name on the bowling team sheet right now, isn't he? Uh, certainly an automatic pick, I think. So so there were one or two other bright spots. And I agree with Miller about Johnny Best. I thought he looked in good order. And I hope they, they stick with him. But yeah, it was all about Joe Root. And um, while encouraged, I, I, I just a little bit worried that he's going to have to keep doing it. That That's the thing. Can he sustain that amount of emotional and uh, mental output? We will see, won't we, in the coming weeks. Yeah, indeed. Well, uh, I mean, we we should probably focus on on the batting. Given, I mean, Miller's alluded to um, the fact that that Sam Curran was the the next best performer, which um, yeah is saying something. Um, <clears throat> given he was uh, in at number seven, uh, and that's across two innings as well. Uh, I mean, Miller, there, there have been concerns about the top three for some time. Um, this possibility of some changes being made. For Lords, just a snapshot. Um, one example: Zach, Zach Crawley. Um, his scores since his double hundred against Pakistan last year now read uh, nine eight five thirteen fifty three naught nine five two two naught seventeen twenty seven and six, which is one hundred and fifty six runs at eleven point one four. England have got to be asking for more than that from their number three, haven't they? They really have. I mean, you talk about root maths, but I mean, Crawley maths is quite quite <laughs> something. I mean, and I, I speak as someone who actually was on holiday when he scored his two six seven. So I haven't actually witnessed that <laughs> Crawley performing for England, except arguably that that very excellent fifty he scored in in India uh, first session, just just boshing it around, and then got out, and and the rest of the team crumbled. So I've seen him, I've seen him in glimpses in that innings, but beyond that, he really has not come to the races in 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 the way that he clearly promised to in that in that mass, massive innings against Pakistan so it's worries for England huge worries I mean you know they, they, there was a period not so long ago when obviously out in South Africa I think it would have been when when England won uh from losing that first test they they won with Ollie Pope and Don Bess and Crawley uh, all the all these kids essentially, I think they're all under twenty three at the time, and you just got a sense that yeah, this this is this is a this is a nugget of a team that's really going to grow. Stokes was critical to that, obviously as a senior statesman in the side, and Roots uh, huge respect for him. So you got a sense there was there was a possibility that England were cultivating a sort of uh, elder statesman on the one hand, young guns on the other, something that could really grow into a very formidable Test team, and perhaps in time for the ashes but now you you look at look at what's left with with months to go until the ashes and i start i'm starting to think we're going to get get out to australia with ex- pretty much exactly the same team as got beaten 4-0 last time out you 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 take out cook obviously who's retired mark stoneman is probably the one guy who's not going to get a recall but beyond that james vince he's clearly back in the picture Dawood milan potentially yeah he's back in the picture joe root yep you know, obviously the one guy Ben Stokes who missed, but he's he, I mean, who knows where he, where he'll be at by then? But you got Johnny Bairstow, he's back in the side. Moeen Alley's now back in the side. Stuart Broad and James Anderson, they're still in the side, even though everyone kind of assumed that you know that would have been their last hurrah. It's extraordinary. England have been in utter stasis for four years, uh, and I don't think we realise that until suddenly we get to this point where we thought we had the seeds of a brand new team, but actually it's just the same old stages being reeled back out to shore up a, a, a format that, that has 
I mean, for very good reasons, didn't have an awful lot of love for the past four years while England were winning World Cups. Um, but almost the knock-on effect of that is being felt more now than it was then, you know, in that four-year period while England were making that transition to become a really good white ball side. They still had performers such as Cook and, and, and Anderson Broad who were, you know, intermittently keeping the standards up, if not overseas. And now suddenly we're in a position where, whereby are we able to keep those standards up even at home, let alone overseas. So um, danger signs, to be honest. I, I don't know. I don't know how England pull out of this tailspin in 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 time not to crash. Um, I mean, so this sounds 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 a bit extreme to say it after one one soggy test and a nil nil so far, but didn't see many signs of of, of promise for the future in the New Zealand series. Uh, it's it looks it looks it looks troubling to me to be honest. Mm, and, and Rory Burns, I suppose, uh, was the um, the bright spot in terms of the batting from that New Zealand series, but uh, he he didn't make many runs here. Um, George, I mean, when we uh, Miller's sort of referring to the progress of the team, when we mention Darwinism, we tend to think in terms of evolution. But uh, <laughs> as your as your piece um, touched on <laughs> during the test uh, with England, it's beginning to look more and more like uh, self-inflicted calamity. Yes. I mean, just on the specifics of the team, I'd stick with Zach Crawley, with the only caveat being we're not really at training. We don't have the close sort of eye on things because of COVID that we did in the past. If they think that Zach Crawley is mentally struggling, if he needs a break, then fair play. Otherwise, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I can't see why he won't make it. I actually don't see technical issues there that I actually do with most of the others. So I'd be really, really, um, I'd be really tempted to stick with him unless he he needs to stop. So that's one thing. Um, Ollie Pope, you know, he, he was seen as the future. I thought after the South Africa tour, he looked really excellent. Uh, it clearly seems to have regressed a bit, partly because of injury. But if he if he's fit, and it looks as if he will be, he's going to play. So they'll change that a little bit. Uh, I suppose he comes in ahead of Lawrence. Um, so, and, and, you know, that is probably an upgrade. So that's some sort of encouragement, but you're talking very basic level there. In terms of the point that you made with your question, yeah, we've, we've, uh, we have a ridiculous, um, we have a ridiculous um, method behind the ECB at the moment, which is to take test cricket for granted, to milk the money from the broadcast and audiences and not nurture it at all. And it is uh, staggeringly short-sighted. And it will come back and bite them on the arse. Of course it will. Not just in terms of these results, but all the people paying hundreds of pounds for tickets, taking time off work, you know, booking hotels and all the rest of it, they won't do it if they see performance like that consistently. Now, England in the last few years have been as entertaining as they've ever been. They have they have lost sometimes, sure. But they have had brilliant, fun players who play a kind of reckless, fun brand of cricket. And, and there's a lot to like about them. Well... Root apart, we saw KG quite poor cricket for England, certainly with the bat. And um, I don't see that being brilliantly marketable. So uh, the irony, again, that the ECB said, we have this product, we're terribly reliant on test cricket as a product, therefore we're going to damage it and invest in something that no one's asked for. I mean, it's mental. It's madness. But you know what I think. 
The one, the one thing I'd, I'd say, I'd say to that, I agree with everything you say there, George. Just, just the one thing I, I, I just, just to throw it out there, that one of the most entertaining test series I ever witnessed. Oddly enough, I mean, I'm going, going, showing my age now. Bangladesh versus Zimbabwe in 2004-5, which was basically the first time Bangladesh won a test series. They beat Zimbabwe, and the fact was, it was two incredibly flawed teams going against each other in a way that, that they balanced out their flaws. And they, in fact, their flaws opened up opportunities for, for greatness to emerge, if you see what I mean. One of the most, one of the biggest damning problems with test cricket sometimes is that, you know, winning teams win too well, crush all comers. I mean, the, the Ashes tours recently, you know, 4-0, 5-0, 5-0, it's been dull. Um, the opportunity to have flawed teams going against each other, because, you know, let's face it, the Aussies aren't in, aren't in greatest nick at the moment either. Um Perhaps there's there's an opportunity there for for something. I mean, it's it's not it's no it's no excuse to 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 lower the standard. But I mean, the fact is, if England can get excited about you know occasional excitement, you know, a bit like the nineteen nineties, England bubbled up with with glorious moments intermittently, while broadly speaking, having a pretty terrible test team. Yeah, um, or, or, I don't know whether whether there's a, there, there's scope to go well, down well, that there is. Thing. Well, you know, there's there's well, while they've got players like Ben Stokes and Joffre Archer around, and let's hope they both come back, uh, they're going to be a fun team to watch at times, for sure. The, the, the worry is that New Zealand and India have turned up, and they've actually played pretty old-school test cricket. Uh, uh, and they've looked better at England. They've looked much better by basically doing the basics really, really well. You know, New Zealand actually play a fairly old-school style of cricket, don't they? They're, they play attritional cricket, and they play it really, really bloody well. And actually, that's what India are doing. You know, that I come back to that fourth session, sorry, the fourth day last session, when India played brilliantly and they must have left lots of balls, defended lots of balls, and they got through. They didn't try to do what England teams of the recent past would have done, which is um, thrash the way to 80 as quickly as possible before the ball came along that got them out. And they didn't try to do what Don Sibley would have done, which is block the hell out of it. I think, was it the last ball of the day? Uh, was driven through the covers for four. I thought that was a real statement. Um, they just look a lot better. And I think it's because they're doing the basics right. It doesn't mean that England, you know, cricket won't still be a fun game. But it does still seem to me puzzling that we have this great business, this great brand, this great team. And we are doing absolutely nothing to nurture that in terms of the next broadcast deal, the next... Uh, generation of people who could fall in love with Test cricket. Listen, I love. Uh, yeah, see, I'm, uh, you guys know this. I'm not actually anti the hundred format at all. I like cricket. You know, if the uh, tests on and then the hundred comes on after, I'll watch both. Uh, you know, that's not the point. The point is that the hundred is the it, it's existing at the expense of Test cricket. If it existed alongside, I couldn't give a toss. If they made the whole T20 blast a 100-ball format, we could live with that easy. But the fact that we're playing anything in a window, I think, is a massive mistake. And I think it's really bloody obvious now. So uh, while all the players of the PCA and the counties are saying this is what they wanted, they have sleepwalked into a situation where they have impoverished test cricket and first-class cricket. And if you don't have the first-class game right, you won't get the test game right. And I think, actually, this argument has been won. 
hasn't it? I mean, doesn't actually everyone accept it now that if you are not playing any first-class cricket in the middle of the season, you're not giving yourself the best opportunity to be the best test team you can? Now, the, the counter-argument is, well, we needed to do this because we needed a new audience. Well, that's fine, but let's just not pretend that we're not compromising our test team. And what you saw over the last few weeks is that compromised test team. So there's no point blaming, you know, Chris Silver would probably lose his job after the Ashes went to you, or Joe Root will be replaced as captain. It won't matter who you put it in instead. It won't make any odds at all. It's the system. I guess we'll only know if the argument's been won if the if the schedule changes from uh, you know in the coming summers. Um, Miller, we, you know we've discussed this kind of issue um, ad infinitum. It, it seems at times, but you know the, the marginalisation of the the county championship and so on, that the the shallow player pool that England are picking from. This is arguably still the best sort of um, eleven that England can put out. Certainly with injuries to players like Stokes and and Archer. Um, and they are actually uh, trying to play the sort of game that has um, uh, that the India and um, New Zealand, as George says, uh, have put, um, done to such good effect. You know, old-fashioned Test cricket. That's what Silverwood sort of uh, has has set his stall out uh, to produce that that kind of a team, rather than the kind of the Bayliss era, which was a lot of fun. Um, so, so sh- I mean, short of. Um, fiddling at, at the margins, uh, and, and you know, say bringing back Ollie Pope or, or picking Hasib Hamid again. Um, for for Lords, this is what what can England do over the next kind of uh, six months ahead of? Um, well, uh, you've already sort of uh, characterised it as a, a looming um, crash, <laughs> but you know, the, the ashes is is still going to happen unless it doesn't, of course, because of COVID. Yeah, but we'll, well get to indeed. that. <laughs> we'll come to that in a minute. Uh, but no, you're right. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. If you look at look at England's second innings, um, which you know had its moments, uh, you got Rory Burns plodding along at 36 strike rate, Dom Sibley's 28 from 133 balls, 21 strike rate. Uh, you know, the, this is what this is the template that that Silverwood set in motion back in when whenever it was twenty nineteen, you know, try to get four hundred on the board first innings and do so by by taking up time, taking up balls. That's Dom Sibley's role essentially. And actually, you know, his his innings twenty eight in partnership with Joe Root was was a valuable innings. It was you know you can't you can't quibble with the fact that he did the needful in in hanging around to try and eat away at a deficit. And okay, he got out at the wrong moment, but that happens. The point is, he if had he got out earlier, England would have been deep in the doo doo. So you know they're they're trying, um, but yeah, to, to to hark back to the ashes. I mean, the one the one thing I would I'll I'll follow up with you know the point I was making a moment ago is that the last time England genuinely had a world class team, uh, would have been would have been twenty thirteen, just before the the crash in in Australia when they got routed. Uh, but remember we were complaining about them winning a Test match too slowly against New Zealand in that summer. You know, you got well, we stinking it out at the top of the order. <laughs> Whoa, you know? We weren't all. <clears throat> well, no, okay, and then, George, no, no, to be I, fair, I don't you're, think you you're, were. you're an honourable exception there. Well, no, I don't think you were either. The, the because... general narrative was this is a boring side to watch. Now, yeah, you know, you've got to be ridiculous. Oh, damn you, you right. don't know what you've got till it's gone. Well, no, course. but we should have known because <laughs> we grew up in the. You know, well, I was growing up. We lived through the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> and it was rubbish. And actually, cricket wasn't very popular. It was diminishing in popularity then. Uh, there was that that team obviously it didn't end brilliantly, but it was such a great team. And 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 people still need to remember that I think they won three tests by an innings on that Ashes tour of ten eleven, did. didn't they? Yeah. And 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 they won in India. When's the next time that's going to happen? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's unimaginable. 
<laughs> and I think since then, by the way, since since the end of that uh, 13 tour, actually before it, uh, since the start of 2013, England have won one out of 25 tests in Australia, New Zealand and India, haven't they? One. So they're not well, very good. <laughs> they, no, they, but they, they haven't been very good. And, and I really applaud Chris Silverwood for saying, really brave, you know, the way we play will appease home crowds and give us some good days. And he's right. But if you want to be number one in the world, you've got to play a different style, a more sophisticated style of cricket. And he's absolutely right. But he hasn't got any of the tools to build the house he wants. And, and even the ones he has have been ripped away from him through no fault of his own. We're not giving the guy a chance. So what do they do now? To look, they, They've got to look at finding new players and presume the Ashes goes ahead. I think it's 50-50, personally, whether it goes ahead. So they have to look at new players. So they have to find some fast bowlers. You know, I don't think they'll win the Ashes with Anderson and Broad. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Robinson, super. But you don't want Anderson, Robinson and Broad. So you have to find some people who hit the deck a bit harder. And maybe you've got to look again at the spin options. Well, it's yeah, a yeah, real yeah. mess. The, the point being <laughs> that you, you build for four years for these things and actually they're changing their mind a couple of months beforehand and they've got no choice. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. You've got, you've got to make do with what you've got, haven't you? Um, and, and certainly in the, uh, you know, for, the, for the next few weeks, that means trying to um, cobble together an 11 that can, can beat India. Um, the limitations, Miller, are, are sort of um, expressed by... Uh, I mean, Sam Curran spoke a bit in, in the build-up about his uh, aspirations to be the Stokes figure in the team, and and you know he certainly has a bit about him. But um, uh, and, and he's batting at number seven. But this is a guy that hasn't actually scored a first-class hundred, um, you know, let, let alone uh, done so in a Test match. Um, but I mean, it, did they get the balance of the side right? There was obviously no no room for Jack Leach uh, in that first Test, and now uh, Moeen Ali is back in the mix after uh, uh, becoming. Uh, the first man to benefit from his from uh, impressing in the hundred to get to get a <laughs> test uh, call up. Um, yeah. I mean, can he slot in at Lords, and, and will that Im- improve things, or, or are we just sort of going around in circles here? Well, I think he will slot in. Um, but yeah, <laughs> to your original point, that they get the balance right, of course they didn't. But but that's something that Joe Root acknowledged during the New Zealand series, and that, that every single selection they're going to make this summer is a compromise. That they, they without Stokes in 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 the mix. There is no balancing this team. There's no way you can play Sam Curran as one of four bowlers for all his magnificent skills. But at the same time, do you dare leave out a batter and play five five um, bowlers with you know Butler up to five up to six or seven and you know one of Best or Lawrence missing out? I I don't know. I, I'm not you know on on in hindsight it suggests that it wouldn't made much difference because England's batting didn't really come to the party anyway. Uh, so perhaps it would have been more useful to have another bowler, but you only know that in hindsight. I don't, I don't see how uh, they can balance the books. But Moeen is as close as they're going to get to balancing them. Not least because his record against India is phenomenal. You know, 20, thirty-one wickets, at twenty-two in home tests against India. Got nine for the last time he got recalled in in the at the Aegeus Bowl in twenty eighteen. Um, as George, you know, uh, broke the story this morning and um, great in, intel there. But, you know, he knows Moeen's numbers better than anyone. But, you know, when he got dropped in 2019, he was the world's leading wicket taker of the past 12 years, 12, 12 months. So he's he's an, he's a fine performer. He's just not the Stokes performer that um, that everyone seems to think you you need to be a like for like. It's not possible to be a like for like for Stokes because he's 
you know, he's one of a kind. But but Moeen is a different type of one of a kind, in my opinion. And um, I think it's worth having him back, even if it's, you know, his first first time he's going to have played a home test in two years. Only his second first class game for, 20, for two years. Um, like Bearstow, he's coming in on a hind to nothing. And uh, let's just hope he, 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 he gets more than nothing. Um, Mercurial Moeen, um, George, you, you, you know him uh, so well. Uh, he is at least coming in high on confidence, it would seem, uh, having you know uh, thrashed it around with regularity uh, for the last uh, week or two for Birmingham Phoenix. Captain the side looks looks like he's enjoying himself, and and obviously had a good test um, in his in his one outing earlier this year um, in Chennai. I think it's uh, important that he's confident. I think he is very much a confidence player. I dare say they all are, but I think he is more than most. Uh, and I think it's been really interesting that he's enjoyed the responsibility and the leadership. He's enjoyed being the big fish in the relatively small bowl, really, hasn't he, with uh, with Phoenix? And I think he's done a really good job too. Clearly, he's done a good job. So I hope he comes in full of confidence and I hope the England camp give him loads of love and support and confidence because I think that relationship needs a bit of nurturing <laughs> Um, so I'm really glad he's come in. It sort of makes sense to me that if, if you're going to get a spinner in the side, it was quite hard to get Leach in without, I don't know, I don't know how you'd have done it really, who you would have dropped. So I'm presuming that Moen replaces Curran, who I thought had um, a really disappointing game with the ball. But, uh, you know, they might want to make a brave decision about Broad. I'm not going to write Broad off, God forbid. But uh, but you know he, he if you were right now picking well let other people decide if you if you had to make a choice between Robinson and Broad right now what what would you two do Robinson well, you, absolutely pretty hard to drop a man who's who's just taken a five for isn't it uh, yeah but in his, equally in his you third know, test innings of bowling <laughs> yeah he should have had a five for the first two actually Broad yeah. and dropped a catch um, so um, but that so those are good uh, problems to have I, I don't quite I don't think you can put Moen up the order much anymore. And obviously, it's really, really difficult to um, to guarantee what sort of form he's in. But I do think he's very much a confidence player, and it was interesting. You're going to have to bear with his bowling. I think his we know what his bowling is like. His his stock ball is probably better than any other spinner that England have available. Uh, his his top bowling is better than anyone else's. He'll bowl some rubbish. That you know, he's not going to change now. And, and, and as a batter, well, I think he's underperformed. It is, I think he averages 28 test cricket. He should average 38. Uh, but at this stage, he is probably at his best where he just comes out and smacks it. That's, that's, that seems to make him tick best. Uh, and uh, I think he, he, he will add something to the side. It, look, it's really difficult for Leach. It's really quite difficult for Bess. But I actually think it was a brave call and, and the right call. But again, you're not giving him the best chance coming in having played. <laughs> Well, his last first-class game was the Chennai Test, wasn't it? And before that, it was 2019. So, and <laughs> just, to, just to follow on from that, George, the penultimate home test that, that Moeen played, so he only played one test in 2019, hasn't been seen since. So the penultimate Moeen test at home against India at, at the Oval, he batted number three. I mean, and made a 50, a very important 50 in the first innings to help shore up Alistair Cook uh, in a winning cause. So... You know, this this again <laughs> harks back to the issue that England have with Moeen. He's batted everywhere from one to nine. He batted at nine in that last innings in Chennai and made 43 from 18. England have never quite known what to do with him. They still don't know what to do with him. They haven't known what to do with him in leaving him out for the start of this series because I, I suspect, you know, of all the 
iconic players that that you know they could possibly have in the hundred. You know, mowing with there he is with his mural at Spark Spark Green Park and and all of the, everything he represents to the marginalised communities in 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 the UK that the hundred's trying to unlock. I I dare say the ECB would much rather he was staying in the hundred than being drafted back into a test team that that's probably maybe he, gonna, he is a big deal affair. in that team, isn't he? He's in, a huge deal. They're top of the they're top of the they're top of the table. He's loving his time there. He's probably been the best news that the hundred has had, in my opinion. Um, Johnny Bairstow had fun for two games, then got whipped out of Welsh Fire's team. Uh, he, do you know, this is all okay. so true. This is all so true. Because he, he is the poster boy for the 100, but he was the poster boy for inclusivity before that. Precisely. And, and England had done a really, really terrific job of screwing him up. Just to make that point. Now, I, I think he would say that Ed Smith and his relationship wasn't everything it might be. Uh, they made a joyful cricketer doubt himself. And they made a, a guy who couldn't believe his fortune to be playing at that level unsure whether he wanted to be there anymore. So that this is an opportunity to reset that relationship. And, you know, maybe one day you get to a situation where Wokes and uh, Stokes and Moeen are playing together again. I think Wokes will be fit for the third test, by the way. Um, and, and you do have more depth. But, but what you're, you're saying again and again here is, the bowlers have got a bat because the batters are rubbish. And that's uh, eventually they've got to do their job too. <laughs> well, and they're not um... going to, are they? I mean, they're not, they're, you know, then I don't think any of, well, how many of the top five or six at this stage? No, let's say six. How many are they going to finish their careers with averages of 40? Because I. <laughs> well, well, I think uh, I, could, I think Crawley could. I think uh, Root will. I think yeah, that um, yeah, Joe, Joe Root. I think we're safe with. Uh, I think Pope <laughs> could. For the rest, it's all uh, uh, up for grabs. Well, no, I probably. think I think Crawley could do that. But I'd be pleasantly surprised if Sibley or Burns did that. Mm-hmm. I think they're just trying to get above thirty, aren't they? They're... Yeah. Well, yeah. Thirty Burns is just the, over 30. the new forty. Um, I don't know how many great Test sides have had openers who both average thirty. Yeah. I'm going to go out there and say this might not be a great test side. Um, we, we, we've definitely, um, we can, I don't think there's a rush to judgment either to say that England could have handled Moeen better over the years. Um, the, the, and and uh, the ideal scenario here, of course, uh, for everyone really, I suppose, is that Birmingham, uh, I think, win one of their final two games and they will probably get into the knockout stages of the 100, for which Moeen will be able to return after the Lord's Test. Um, the... Bowling, England's bowling, um, there there are uh, fewer concerns about, we've sort of touched on. Um, Miller, I think it, it's worth going over the uh, uh, briefly the sort of uh, Jimmy Anderson highlights reel. He obviously renewed his duel, um, compelling duel with Virat Kohli. Um, we didn't even have time to grab the popcorn on this occasion um, as he uh, dismissed Kohli for the first time since 2014 with his first ball of the match. Well, what a moment! I mean, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely box office moment, wasn't it? I mean, you know, all, all the talk and all the all the all the stats flying around, and 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 that knowledge, as you say, it's been seven years since he got him out, and then to nail him with that very first ball, it was it was it was it was theatre. It's it's what you it's what you rock up for, isn't it? That 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 sort of the setting of the stage as well, because it's quite clear that you know, Coley and Anderson have have a mutual respect, and that has set their rivalry up for this summer. Perfectly. I mean, it was it was glorious watching them ju- duke it out in 2018. Even though obviously Anderson didn't get his wicket, he was you know, Coley's hundred in that first Test edge and benefited from several drops off Anderson. He was he was he was respected throughout, and and that was the fundamental difference this time. Is like you know the the way that Coley left Anderson 
previously was a mark of respect. So, like, yep, you, I'm, I'm just going to see you out, dot you up, all the rest of it. This time, he almost came too hard. That first ball, I mean, Anderson himself talked it, talked through it beautifully on Sky. He was uh, talking about that he would bowl the wobble seam. He had the shape coming in just to draw Coley into the stroke. Then, you know, a bit of a fluke that the ball hit the seam in such a way that it jagged away. But that's what Anderson does with, with, the, with the precision of his attack. He's able to earn the benefit of that of that um, that variation off the pitch, and he got it beautifully, and and did the needful to to break through in 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 a, at a crucial moment as well. Because let's not forget that you know England England really needed that that fight back just as they needed Joe Root's runs. If they hadn't got that got those wickets, then you know they probably wouldn't have had um, India would have had a big enough lead to really turn the screw, uh, irrespective of what Root did in the second innings. So um, fundamental moments of the match and, uh, and and a glorious moment too and just goes to show it's the first time he first time he bowled in a test since he turned 39 didn't it so he's literally into his 40th year now and he's still he's still as as good getting better in many ways uh, <laughs> as he's ever been it's just it's, he's just a freak uh, there's uh, no two ways about it and uh and george he should have had kale rahul out uh shortly after that and, and for all we've talked about england um being uh, or india bossing that game uh, if india were five down at that point uh dom sibley i think dropped um Raul just after he scored uh or past 50 um it could have been a different game yeah you're right i thought that uh, obviously england's total was under par but not under par by you know as much as you might think on a normal pitch but 250 maybe par i make 280 perhaps so if India could have been bowled out for 200, yeah, which was really, really possible at that stage. So the fielding is something that's coming back again and again as a, as a, as a real problem. Uh, I don't think there are simple answers there. I, I, I really don't. I don't know what you do. You either, you've got two options, haven't you? You work harder, you work slightly different, or with different people. So I guess three options. Uh, and I think the people they're looking at bringing in I don't think Hasib, you know, is an absolutely fine choice as a batter, but he's not going to improve the fielding massively. He's he's keen, energetic in the field. If you're looking at someone who could improve it, maybe Adam Lythe? No, I don't know how many people have been picked for England with a view to their fielding. Was Paul Collingwood maybe there? Possibly, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, it probably, he averaged 40, mind. He did average 40 with the bat. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, but he did take some blinders, and it, and it played a huge role. I mean, remember Adelaide in 2010. So uh, they, they have to do something, and I think selection might be part of it. They've got to get better, because it's, you know, those bowlers have been asked to take 14, make 14 chances every every game and uh, every innings, and it's, it's a bit unreasonable. I mean, do you see that stat that we did on um, Jimmy Anderson? How many drops was it? He said, was it 22? 22, I think it's 22. And he's it? yeah. in, in a period in which he's taken 99 wickets. So it's basically 22% <laughs> of his wickets That's... are being given away. Now, you expect Asking a lot drop. of an old man, isn't it? <coughs> <laughs> but it actually is, isn't it? And, and, um, and that was one of the things that was very obvious last time in Australia. You know, Jimmy Anderson, as ever, gave everything and bowled very well but they didn't give the guy a chance because sometimes the readings were 50 60 overs so you're out there bowling in 40 degrees heat you've only got two sessions before you're out there again because your batters are hopeless so um th- that is something they're going to have to look at to, to ease the burden um i think it would be easy facile but possibly correct to blame the fielding coach i, I he got to be under pressure but i don't know whether it's his fault i genuinely don't know but you can't accept 
how many chances are going down and how often. And in a funny way, I thought the runouts were more worrying because I thought the technique with the runouts was poor. You know, there was one where Lawrence threw at the stumps rather than throwing to the keeper, which genuinely, as an eight-year-old, you're taught not to do, aren't you? Throw at the keeper if you can. Don't just hurl at the stumps. And then there was another one, Rory Burns, who's obviously very good in the field and, you know, we all make mistakes, threw and he didn't aim at the base of the stump, so the ball bounces over. Both those things you would think at test level, I was surprised by them. But people make mistakes, obviously. You don't want to be too harsh. But, you know, if you take the drops and the runouts in conjunction with one another and the fact that it seems to keep happening in England and now bottom of the... Uh, the slip ranking table, slip catching table, then I think you have to acknowledge that there's a problem and when you've got a problem, you try and sort it out. But sorting it out, as I say, not terribly easy. Mm, no, you you wonder if sort of um, with the... the dip, uh, I mean, uh, most of the, the players mentioned there are either dropping catches or, or missing one out, so batsmen, and uh, whether one begets the other in terms of um Well, because of the confidence and so on. I think yeah. that's absolutely true. But, but if you go back to the last time that England were really good in the field, uh, it's probably mm. on a couple of overseas tours we had James Taylor and Keaton Jennings sort of doing amazing things at short leg. Um I don't remember them scoring a lot of runs on those tours. I don't know. It, it, maybe there is something, you know, I, I'm not suggesting they recall Keaton Jennings to field short leg. <laughs> but, but but at the same time, if data is but so important in, in selection, in <laughs> well, if data is so important in selection, are they looking at the data of fielding and catching? I, I should have asked Chris Silver with that yesterday, shouldn't I? It seems to be uh, something that they're overlooking a bit. I mean, the, the, I think you referred to it in in one of your pieces as well, George. That that uh, twenty fifteen ashes when the sort of one of the the things that was talked up about Bayless's the start of Bayless's tenure was they went on that training uh, away days type uh, break was it to Spain or something and yeah, um, was, yeah everyone came back able to to catch swallows but um it's it's um if it were that easy presumably they would just do that again. Well why why you know, it's interesting why can't they do that anymore? Why can't Ben Stokes catch as well as he used to? I, I suspect that it's mental pressure. Finger, maybe. <laughs> well yeah, well two, two of them, yeah. Um I, I but I suspect it's been more about um just the amount of hours in the field, the fact that he's always thinking about other stuff, you know, concentration, just general becoming mentally more tired. I I don't know. But it seems that someone came into the environment there who was exceptional and they've sort of left the environment mediocre. That's not good, is it? No. <laughs> it's not a good not, sign, is it? Not what we're aiming for. Um, in terms of well, in, uh, players dealing with mental pressure and so on, uh, Miller, before we, before we uh, wrap up here, I think, but um, a word on, on Ollie Robinson and, and um, that that maiden test fifer, uh, he bowled very well against New Zealand at Lords and was then sort of consumed by this uh, historic social media um, scandal, I suppose. Uh, I mean, the way he talked about it, he said he had doubts about his career. He he was talking about speaking with his lawyers and things, which, uh, I mean, uh, tells you the, the severity with which the whole uh, issue was being dealt with. But, um, I mean, he he's come back remarkably well and he looks at home, doesn't he? He does. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. You know, we've talked about it at length. There's no, there's no excusing what he said, but you can mitigate it given that he was a very different character 10 years ago. And as we know, he, he got sacked by Yorkshire for being immature. We know that he was a type of person back then. And we believe, to judge by his narrative since then, that he's, he's a different type of person. And the evidence from his first two tests 
absolutely backs up that that that's assumption. Seven wickets on debut, superb performance, deserved better, got better uh, this time round after, as you say, extraordinary pressure of not only you know the pressure you'd have felt midway through that Lord's Test, uh, you know, imagine coming off the field and into into that sort of that sort of storm, then missing out, worrying about his career, coming back and just bowling his best ball as much as possible and getting the rewards. I mean, and that's the thing about his best ball. I I, I did enjoy the the variation to his best ball. He you know he bowls line and length, but he bowls he bowls a nice heavy line and length and there's there's variation off the pitch different you know some balls kick through some balls zip through it feels as though it feels though he he's doing that on purpose it's not it's not it's not just bog standard up and down hittable lengths all the time there's there's variety and he uses the crease while he gets swing occasionally he gets seam he gets all the necessaries the only thing he doesn't have obviously is extreme pace that uh george alluded to at the start of the of the pod that you know with Archer missing Wood obviously can't get a break at the moment but is is theoretically crucial to the Ashes Ollie Stone missing now England are going to have to find someone who is an absolute spearhead but in Ollie Robinson they probably got a spear carrier as well they got a guy who can who can who can do the hard yards bowl the bowl in the dirty end of the of the ball and you know long spells when when nothing much is happening he can try and make something happening then and then uh, let let the new ball guys cut loose i mean that's the theory but you know we've, we've talked a lot about the theory for england uh, of late and and the theory is collapsing around our eyes but uh, but you know i think the evidence we've seen of his first two tests is that yep this guy's for real and uh, he's he's certainly right up there on uh, top of the team sheet for for brisbane and beyond frankly yeah he's been i think compared to to josh hazelwood uh, at times it, it would be if he could just five or six miles per hour on his polling um and and really be a josh hazelwood uh alike that that would um england would would grab that i'm sure um george so uh england have to improve um the worry for them i suppose is that uh india could equally <laughs> get better as the series goes on um they they played very well but it, it wasn't exactly a complete performance from them um virat kohli didn't score any runs for a start <laughs> Yeah, look, they've got a couple of worries of their own. I mean, what are they going to do with Bumrah? Is he going to bowl that volume of overs all series? If so, they'll break him. So other sides have made that mistake in the past, haven't they? Or West Indies may have lost their series against England because they didn't change the attack, having gone one up. So uh, they've got some issues of their own. But as you say, you would expect Virat to come back and come back hungry. I thought the batting looked really, really good. I thought Raul looked excellent. Uh, bearing in mind he's basically standing in in the job. Uh, so, uh, and also, let's remember they, they, they didn't have Ishant, who I don't know what his the fitness update is on him, but Lord, that would be, I mean, he'd be, he would have been a better bowler than Thakur, I think. And they didn't have Ashwin. And they, I think they did miss Ashwin at times. So I, I actually think they can improve. They've just got to be a bit careful about the, the rest and rotation policies that they pursue as well. But I, I, the, the, why wouldn't they? They've got they've got real depth in their attack. So um, yeah, they're they're, they're favourites. They're never going to have a better opportunity to win this uh, win a series. And the, and the problem with that for them is England go to the Ashes, where obviously it's going to be very difficult. Potentially looking at losing four in a row. But maybe that's catastrophizing. Maybe we're looking too far ahead. <laughs> they are, to be fair, nil nil after yeah. one. And uh, I know that people will 
say on Twitter, you miserable git, <laughs> you know, why are you saying this already? But the problem with being a miserable git is you're so often proved right. <laughs> but no, well, you're, you're quite right though, quite right though. Just so you know, to, you're nil nil after one, but as you say, the bench the bench strength of Ishant and, and Ashwin to come into the side. India can improve not only with that, but they can improve in the fact that Kohli can get runs. Pajara and Rahani, between them, they got nine runs. In, 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 in three innings in that middle order and still they dominated you know I, I have a whole lot more faith that those three are going to come good than England's middle order currently I mean you know as I said I thought Bairstow played mighty well but 29 and 30 was about the limit of what I expected he was able to get in the circumstances um, England, have, England have been relying on miracles for an awfully long time they got the ultimate miracle in Ben Stokes in the and he's not available that is, and he's that not is available. exactly and then, right and this time round, the miracle was Joe Root living up to all the pressure that he came into the into the game with and scoring 173 runs, which is basically all England scored all match. So you know, if Stoke, if if Root goes missing, you know, much as he did, you know, in mitigation, you know, he started that series in in India in extraordinary form. Didn't look like he'd ever get out again. He he finished it with a, with a run of run of very low scores, and England never 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 came close. If Root for whatever reason, gets out to a very good ball, because let's face it, India have got some very good bowlers. I fear for where England are going to find their runs. Oh, yeah, they might. They're going to, yeah. I mean, let's bear in mind that he got 60 odd and they were still bowled out for 180. <laughs> so if he gets naught, uh, you know, I don't know where the runs are coming from. So, so that's the worry. Uh, uh, the other thing, just, you know, just to talk about Joffre briefly. Uh, England got a huge bonus. He was a windfall, wasn't he, uh, Joffre? Because they didn't really do a lot to his development, to aid his development. You know, he came to England, not quite the finished article, but we know he was terrific, don't we? Uh, he's helped win England the World Cup. And now he's broken. I mean, a World Cup's a big deal. It's going to be on his legacy forever. It's a brilliant thing. We'll always be grateful for that. But I can't help thinking that that was a really special, shiny new toy that they've taken out of the packet and broken already on Christmas morning. I mean, I thought there was so much more from him. And now, who knows? I wouldn't blame him if he just played T20 from now on in. He's got, he's got to think about earning a living, hasn't he? And uh, he I, doesn't want to 47 overs uh, in a game like he did in Mount Monganui. Well, I was going to mention yeah. that. I seem to remember um, a couple of people on this pod uh, referring to the mismanagement of um, Archer's work, like even at Lord's in his first test. Uh, well, exactly. Lord's <laughs> in his first test, he bowled 44 overs. And remember that, that spell that he bowled uh, against Steve Smith? He'd already bowled 20 overs in that bloody innings. It was, it was, it was a dog-eared old. And he's never bowled as fast again. He's never bowled as fast again. Yeah, the ball was 60 overs old. He was 20 overs into his day's work. And he gets thrown the ball to bowl at 96 miles an hour and scone the best batsman. I mean, absolute madness. The other thing that went wrong there in that test, obviously, he got given the new ball as well. You know, you got Chris Wokes gets bumped off the new ball despite bowling out Ireland for, what was it, 38 a couple of weeks earlier. Uh, sometimes all you need is someone who's just going to hit the top of off. It doesn't need to be express pace. The mismanagement of Jofra from the outset in test cricket has been catastrophic. Uh, I witnessed that test. You witnessed Matt Monganui. There have been plenty more in between. Well, there haven't actually, because uh, between those, he's pretty, pretty much been broken, hasn't he? Because he was and, and, he, and his and elbow injury is, cropped up in 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 South Africa. To, to give you a list of all the people who have come back well from elbow operations and elbow injuries. Uh, I think it's quite short. <laughs> well, I mean, Graham Swan obviously was one whose uh, career was ended. Uh, Tim Bresnan. Oh, oh I don't, you know, I, I, technology improves. Of course, it does. And uh, obviously, everyone wishes him every success. But I, I, I am 
yeah, not massively optimistic we're going to see a lot of him in Test cricket. Well, we've long said, I suppose, that Archer is more than just bowling at 96 miles an hour, isn't he? He's a, a very skillful and effective bowler, so let's hope for the best. Yeah, uh, yeah which is man. true, but Corey uh, Collymore was that bowler, and then he became <laughs> Corey Collymore. But no, Corey Collymore was quick when he was young, and he, but then he became Corey Collymore, and he was a terrific cricketer and stuff, but he's not selling tickets around the world. He's not winning the Ashes. That, that's the thing. That there was a bowler there who could have unlocked Australia in Brisbane and Perth. And we know it. And, um, you know, that's gone. And, and equally, you know, Ben Stokes obviously missed the last Ashes trip. Uh, so he, how many tours does he get to Australia in his prime? Two? He's going to miss them both. So everything that the ECB does, the schedule, the fixture list, everything, is competing to drag the England down into mediocrity. You get these incredibly good players and you break them either physically or mentally by what they're asked to do. It's incredibly incompetent. It really is. I, I hope there's, a, I, there's a bit of a I, theme I, developing here. Well, I'm very angry yeah. about it. I don't know if I sound... But people should be angry about it because we're seeing our very good players who had so much promise ruined, uh, basically for ego, I think. But, you know, the, the whole model doesn't work anymore. And we... Uh, Really, at this stage, it's so obvious. You know, when you've got so many players, players, we, we get a press release a month now saying someone's taking time out to work on their mental health. That shouldn't be happening. That's a big bloody deal. And we seem to have just got to the stage where people are utterly broken in body and spirit. We've learned nothing from that 13 tour where, you know, first Trotty went home and clearly lots of them are struggling. We haven't learned anything. We just poured more cricket on top of a fixture list that was already full. Well, why? It, there's there's no rhyme or reason at all other than just going for the quick buck. And that, in the long term, is going to prove to be a disastrous policy. Yeah, well, um, cheery thoughts as ever on the future of the game. Uh, on, on a positive note for England, uh, they, can't, they can't now be whitewashed uh, by India. And... Uh, Given the summer we've had, it might well rain again over the next few weeks. So, um, <laughs> and then we oh, die. <laughs> yes, yeah, so this um, podcast brought to you in association with Leonard Cohen. Away from the uh, gritty drama of the uh, the Test team's travails, um, uh, to to go on to the the uh, the model, the structure of the season. Uh, um, once again, we have the the nightly no strings thrills of the hundred to keep us occupied. Um, this is the part of the uh, podcast that George has been looking forward. To um, I think it's kind of like cricket's version of Love Island without the emphasis on swimwear. Um, George, Fe- Birmingham Phoenix are flying high at the top of the hundred table. You must be proud. Well, I, I, as a, as a Somerset, <laughs> just enough time for a tumbleweed to as a Somerset supporter, roll across your <laughs> screen. Uh, as a Somerset supporter, I, I'm Welsh fire all the way. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I was just... Uh, yeah, look, I've enjoyed the games I've seen. I, I make no bones about it. The, the most abusive messages I get on Twitter are from people who think I'm too pro-100. Um, <laughs> they are, honestly. Have a look. Um, I, I think the standard's been decent. Uh, probably, has it been better than the blast? It might have been, actually. I've been a bit surprised at the standard of the pitches, which I thought has been disappointingly average. Uh, and some of the games have been brilliant. Uh, but But, you know... One of the breakout players has been Benjamin, hasn't he, at, at Phoenix, who has been fantastic. 
Um, I mean, it's about six weeks ago that I wrote you guys a story, didn't I, on this guy who's getting a trial for the seconds. And yeah, all of a sudden, you played one T20 game. You played one T20 game. I just, I loved it. I, I'm not having a go at them because they're all good cricketers, but the idea that it was the best to be the best, and, you know, you get Dan Douthwaite be Chris Benjamin. It's just, it, it's just not what it was marketed. And that's fine because we're in a pandemic, but just let's have a wee bit of honesty about it. But in terms of the competition <laughs> itself, it's been absolutely fine. I think the um, the format is it it works, but then so did T Twenty. I mean, I just I never heard anyone saying all those things I've been talking to you about: the fixture list, the structure, the fact that we're breaking players mentally and physically, the fact that Test players don't have any red ball cricket to warm up ahead of Test series. Those are all issues. But no, they find a problem to an umpire saying over. Now they hold a card. It's ludicrous. It's mad. <laughs> no one ever complained about that. <laughs> so anyway, I don't want to rant about it because uh, I think it'd be very good at the end of the season when, you know, everyone knows what I think. We know what we all think. It'll be interesting to see what the Wisdom Almanac decides in its in its review, don't you think? Mm. Yeah, well, I can't wait to find out who's writing that. I yeah. think I think it'll be really sort of impartial and uh, <clears throat> fair. And, you know, they'll take a step back and reflect on the whole thing. They always pick <laughs> a very August... Um, you know, articulate, highly rational writer. So, uh, do you know what he, he sent me there? Lawrence sent me the email saying, "Do you want to do this?" I said, "Hell yeah!" And then he, <laughs> he said, oh, "I can't remember how many extra words he gave me. It was like an extra thousand. <laughs> long run up. Um, <laughs> it will take longer to read it than it will to watch a game. Actually, that's another thing. Seven minutes, isn't it? It's seven minutes. Seven quicker, minutes. Is that, isn't that what Rick Finlay has decided? Is it on? Is that on average or, or on sort of the best case average. scenario for average. a T twenty? So the average T twenty yeah. last whatever, and <clears throat> I think it might be per innings to be fair to him, but it's seven minutes. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Did, did I, did that I sounds about right because I think about fifteen minutes is that is what you're shaving off the three hours. Um, did I read somewhere that last night's sixty five ball game lasted two hours ten minutes? Which is which is just oh the, the night the night before that was night actually, before yeah, I've lost track already. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, well that was quite good fun actually. But um... the, the only other thing has been that I did a um, the Royal London game. There's another Rick Finlay stat that the average age of players in the Royal London has come down two or three years. And I did a game. Uh, I've done a few Royal London games to be fair. Mm. But I did one at Guildford that was terrific and it really worked because it was a small cosy ground of about three thousand in. It was really really good. Um, and then I did one at Edgbaston and there were 670 in or something like that. And it was desperate. I thought it, I mean, but to be fair, other people who were there tell me I'm wrong and it was really good. But I saw a 16 year old playing, a 17 year old playing. I saw two guys signed on three week contracts, three weeks, uh, basically from club cricket. I mean, good club cricketers, not having to go. It was not, it was not good enough. It wasn't good enough. And everyone, you know, saying it's an opportunity. Well, that's what the seconds provides. It, it, it what they've done to the 50-over competition will come back to bite as well when they next go to the World Cup. I mean, opportunity, opportunity, in, in the modern, <laughs> opportunity in the modern vernacular is an, is an opportunity to, to give away your, your, your content for free and, and get, get experience <laughs> right. for, 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 for no payment. Yes, it's that sort of thing, isn't it? We've got an opportunity to have work for us. We'll tweet you or something. Yeah, yeah it's exactly nonsense. that. <laughs> so I, 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 I was, Be a county uh, cricketer for a month. Yeah. So, well, that, that is but a three-week contract. <laughs> is is that is that helpful to anybody? You're just basically saying use your summer holidays to come and play cricket, and and that's fine. Maybe they'll impress and maybe they'll win a chance. That's the carrot for them, isn't it? But basically they won't because there isn't any money in the game. It's all been spent on the hundred. 
So it's the consequences again and again. I'm not having to go at the 100. The 100's been fine. The cricket's great. It's on TV. I'll watch it and I'll enjoy it. But there are consequences to all these things. Yeah. The one, the one thing I, one thing also, I mean, obviously, the, you know, we, I, I broadly agree the what I've watched, I've enjoyed, I've got got involved with. As I said last week, I, I, I was busy with the, with the test coverage, so I didn't pay as much attention. That's just a, that's just a natural consequence of, of being busy in, in, a, in, in a summer schedule. But, one thing that did catch my mind, catch my eye the other day, was that was this this slightly farcical scene down at the Oval where there was a rain delay, and the information being imparted was non-existent, and that struck me as a really, really, really simple win that that has been overlooked. That you know they go gone out of their way to try and simplify the game, gone out of their way to you know I've said previously on the pod I quite like the the countdown of of, of balls and hundred uh, hundred balls and, and runs in the second innings. I think it it helps to demystify. But if you're inviting brand new audiences and kids and all the rest of it into a ground and sit in blazing sunshine while the umpires stare at a damp patch in the outfield and don't impart any of that information back to that crowd. You're committing the same old faults that we complain about time and time and time again that, that cricket simply does not communicate to its public well enough. And if you can't communicate to your public well enough in this format, after all of the brainstorming and all of the effort that's gone into format in the first place, then I, I, I don't know how you can make such a fundamental oversight. I mean, it's not as if it can have surprised the, the brains trust at the 100 that the occasionally rains in England. And therefore, what are we going to do when it rains? What are, what are we going to do when there's a rain delay? Surely... That's one hundred and one. Surely you would you would get that one front and center of this brand new marketing tool that you've got, and and make sure you don't embarrass yourself and drive people away. Because I know there were several people who were more than miffed at, at, at the delay that they endured, and you know the ones who stayed clearly had had fun watching Alex Hales getting squished in the spuds and all the rest of it. <laughs> but it, you know that's not quite compensation Family for, fun. for twiddling twiddling, isn't it? Just but you know when you've twiddled your thumbs since two thirty or whatever time the women's game was meant to start. And it gets to seven thirty, eight o'clock, or whatever time the men's game finally got underway, and there's been next to no information. Heather Knight uh, was 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 muttering about it in her post match. Uh, plenty of people, uh, you know, plenty of supporters of the hundred on on Twitter were saying likewise. It strikes me as a as a a careless way to to lose fans and lose and lose people who are willing to to look at it look at it more kindly than 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 as than has previously been the case. Because as George says, there have been. There have been some good moments, and and the the interest broadly has lived up to the hype, and and you know getting cricket in the public eye is good, but for the wrong reasons, it's still bad. Yeah, I mean, on the on the sort of um, the condition of the outfield there at the Oval, one of the interesting things about a lot of the games certainly that I've. Uh, watched or covered is they've tended to try and play on in conditions um where they would often come off in well certainly in a test matter we had you know uh, um players going off for bad light in the in the test as um and we've we've gone over that issue um more than once as well but um playing through the rain i think it, it was kind of raining at edgbaston uh yesterday um during the women's game and they just they by and large stuck it out they have been um a bit more flexible there um and and uh to, to segue slightly but onto um the interest and, and Miller saying sort of living up to the hype the, the crowd numbers um have well uh, certainly the official um statements sellouts and so on they've been good at the 
So the grounds have, have looked pretty full and the atmosphere has been good. Um, the merchandise sales uh, uh, seem seem to be doing pretty well. I, albeit I went to Lords and the, um, I saw someone in an Ipswich shirt before I saw someone in a London spirit shirt. Um, but that is the right colour. So, maybe, you know, maybe it's just um, taking off that way. Um, but George, like, um, certainly yesterday at, um, at Edgbaston, Mark Butcher on Sky's commentary was, was talking about how the crowd was identifying with this team that you know until two three weeks ago didn't exist um this idea that sort of city affiliations um people will quite quickly um cleave to uh to a new team identity um and uh, and the the idea that um new teams and and you know being uh, um stuck up on top of the county game wouldn't work seems to have been uh that idea has been um Dented a bit. <clears throat> Don't know. I, I thought the um, interesting. I, I think that Birmingham is a really good example of one of the swing states in this argument, because I think that you know that tickets in London sell, and they pretty much sell in Manchester. Birmingham T Twenty tickets have actually been quite hard work over the last few years. Um, you might get twelve for say their game against Notts, and you might get twenty for their games against uh, Worcester. So, and, and you get fewer for others. So. Uh, I think they would be quite pleased with their sales. I think they've been at 17 twice, uh, which they may say is capacity for various reasons at the moment. Uh, they might say that, yeah. Um, whether it's definitely working, there's so much spin and stuff within that it's a little bit hard to tell. As I say, uh, those T20 audiences, at most of those grounds are very, very good. You know, they're excellent in London. And actually, they haven't been quite as good, have they, at Lords or the Oval? Uh, they're very, very good, generally, at Manchester. Have they been quite as good? Not sure they have. So, uh, and um, I thought that the, the sales at the Aegeus were all right. I didn't think they were brilliant. And Wales has got away with it a bit because um, of the COVID restrictions. But um, I think, yeah, won't work in Wales, I promise you. So... Uh, well, it won't. We've tried everything, but but it does. Does it tell us anything other than if you market our great game a little bit better, if you invest in the advertising, if you make ticket offers, if you show people by putting it on uh, free to air platforms that uh, it's available and it's good, uh, then yeah, I've always thought they were going to like it because it's a great game. Uh, whether you can, as Butch says presume then that they've accepted city identities and all the rest of it. I don't know. I don't know. That seems a leap to me. We got a wee bit of demographic information. The demographic for uh, Nottinghamshire was that the audience is less family than their T20 audience, which really surprises me. And just as an observation, I went to one of those games. I I travelled by train a lot. And on the way back from the train, it wasn't great. It was like, you know, those, those Saturday football trains where you keep your eyes down. Uh, it was a bit like that, one of them. And um, Birmingham, I think they've got 8% more women buying tickets, which I think is probably, that's quite a big tick, I would say. Uh, but generally, they've been surprised at the Oval, for example, that it's basically the same audience, almost identical. So it, it is different around the country. And, and I think it might take a bit longer for us to analyse those sorts of things and decide exactly what they mean. But I think, doesn't it just show that if you invest in our sport and, and, and advertise it and market it, that, you know, people might be more likely to come? 
Well, uh, it's um, it's a radical idea. Uh, <laughs> the the um, the blast uh, is still going, and uh, um, I'm sure the ECB want you to know about it as well. To uh, full the... houses, yeah, to full houses at some places. To um, <coughs> you, you, I mean, I know Taunton's a small ground, but didn't they sell out their quarterfinal in three hours? Mm, yes, yeah, and, and uh, we still have final day uh, to come after. 100 finals day, um, of course. And we've got Royal London finals day on a Thursday, two days before <laughs> yes, 100 finals yes. day, is that right? It's, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's next week, isn't it? Next Thursday, I think. So it's, And it's got a reserve day, did you know that? <laughs> I, I, that had passed me by, but... Uh, and I hope it it's sense. very important, it's very important. One o'clock have. start on a Thursday. What would you think if you were the sponsor? Well, uh, um, Royal London, do get in touch with us. Uh, uh, let us know. Um, yeah, well, uh, the, uh, the lots of that is uh, is for the long term to unpick uh, in the uh, in the the, the coming. Um, well, I was going to say days and weeks. There isn't actually that much longer left of the group stage. I'll, I'll do my sort of best Matt Roller impression here and um, tell you that the the competition is is looking pretty tight. Certainly for the uh, for the men, um, Birmingham Phoenix and Trent Rockets have won four out of six uh, apiece. You've got. Uh, Southern Brave um, on seven points uh, and I think one other uh, although I've now uh, misplaced the table uh, Manchester Originals play tonight they're sort of still in with a shout Miller I mean uh, um, the, the women's comp is, is a little bit more um, uh, divided I think the top four there it's probably going to be three from four through to the last three Brave Superchargers uh, Invincibles and Rockets um, I mean it's been sort of broadly competitive. You know, anyone can beat anyone. Uh, a lot of the past scores are pretty similar. We haven't had anyone, no team scored 200 yet. No individual has scored 100. Um, London Spirit have been pretty rubbish. But, uh, you know, <laughs> apart from that, it's been it's been sort of broadly um, entertaining, competitive fair. I think it has, yeah, broadly speaking. I think... Um... As I say, I, I I agree with George. I don't have an issue with with the with the actual competition that that has cropped up. I've said before, I've I've enjoyed the the prominence the women have got, and I think um, we're starting to see some proper narratives coming out of those uh, those games. The last couple of nights with with Birmingham teeing off, I mean, Moeen's had a couple of games where he's, where he's gone nuts, and finally you're getting scores that I think are pushing more the sort of range that the ECB would have would have been hoping. I mean, it looks like 180 is is probably about the upper limit for a 100 game at the moment. Um, you know, they might push 200, but I mean, even, you know, if you're pushing 200 in a in a 20 over game, you'd, you'd be doing pretty well. So, um, you know, might have, might have to take an extraordinary uh, performance for that. Um, but, you know, we haven't, haven't, haven't yet got 100. Um, I think Jamima Rodriguez, 92, is probably still the highest score, I think, on either competition. So, so you know, there, there are certain little... Little, little little bits and pieces there that you know we will know better when we've got a whole season behind us to be able to judge what to expect but i think you know if you were to compare like for like and bear in mind that the t20 stats and 100 stats are now considered the same thing whether um whether that's an indication of future changes who knows but because of that there is a sort of there, there is an automatically comparison when you when you compare the stats whereby the 100 is a little bit downgraded you're not seeing Guys teeing off to get hundreds. You're not seeing two two hundred on the board. You, 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 we, I think we've seen one five for so far. So uh, there are there are ways and means in in which the the hundred is going to pale by comparison simply on a statistical basis. So I think we need to get a entire season out of the way and and judge it in hindsight, and then come into it next season and probably have a better idea of what is a good score because you know 
for a long time it seemed like 130 to 145 was pretty much all anyone was ever scoring now finally i think we're we're pushing more the 180s um but even that isn't isn't quite the 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 230 240s that we sometimes see in t20s so um it's been fun there's no 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 question but it, i don't i don't think it's you know reinventing the wheel i don't think the wheel has been re- reinvented with any of this um but you know, at least at least it's visible and we're all enjoying enjoying um the the prominence of it it would be slightly ironic, I think, uh, uh, um, developing a new format called the hundred, in which uh, it was p- pretty much impossible to score a hundred. Um, uh, George, just finally, what what have you made of some of the the tweaks, um, the the tactical side of bowling ten ten balls in a row, or uh, you know, staying on from uh, uh, switching ends and staying on, um, as, as well as the idea of the, the I mean, it seems to be one of the more significant changes, actually, but the batter, new batter always being on strike, uh, you know, even if they crossed for a run, um, uh, for a run when... I think when that's really annoying. Taken, that sort of thing. I just... <laughs> Trent Whithill's wanted to bring that in for years, hasn't he? So he's found an opportunity to shoehorn it in. I mean, if, if all the game was played like that, fine, fine. That's what he wants. But why, why make it extra complicated? Just why, why change the uh, the laws, regulations, whatever you want to call them? Um, I mean that that's just nonsense that that is making it simple. It's just a lie. It's, that was people who have a strong view about the way they want the game to be played, and they've shoot, taken the opportunity to shoehorn their views into action. Anyway, uh, in terms of other stuff, I think we got real lucky with um, the women's competitions being because obviously they were meant to be staged. Elsewhere, and I and I know that there's a bit of a stigma about having double headers, but I think it's worked brilliantly. I think it's worked brilliantly, and I actually think um, uh, that might be something we want to look at next time. Um, I I don't understand why it's had such an effect on the pitches. I mean, you know, they're only thirty overs old when the men's game starts. It's a session in a test match, yeah. They really shouldn't be deteriorating quite as much as they are. So that's something they would have to look at. Um, in terms of the I thought that after the first few games that we wouldn't see any bowlers bowling 10 balls in a row uh, because, you know, it gives a batter a chance to size them up. But actually, there is a time and a place, isn't there? And it is probably an advantage if you have a bowler who is all over a batter or if you have a you know a particular matchup that works that way, then there's a time and place for it. But I don't think you'll see it happen that often because basically if you give a batter 10 goes in a row, they'll probably, they'll probably get better and better, won't they? So... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're tiny little things around the edges. It, uh, the other thing was that, and I think um, I think this point's been made previously, but most of the changes seem to benefit the bowlers, only marginally, but they, they seem to benefit the bowlers. That's interesting. I mean, you know, in the sort of um, moral uh, stance, I've got no issue with that. They probably deserved a bit of help. I do think that's a mistake, though, when you're trying to market it as a, you know, sort of mass market entertainment product. Completely agree. Pro- Completely probably agree. Probably want to see sixes probably want to see fours and sixes so again i think that was a bit too clever mm-hmm. you, you didn't really need to change very much you know t20 on good pitches and by the way they have been good this year because they've used hybrids more often hybrids is clearly the way to go you've got a bit more pace and power so the ball goes further anyway um so a lot of the things around the edges i think matthew engel said that um nothing new was good and nothing good was new probably about <laughs> right <laughs> well there we go um <laughs> what what better place to to leave things um 
the cut well, off no, is because people will say people will just say that you know Matthew Engel's <laughs> even older than I am. Um, but uh, you know we're not the market, weren't they? That that that, that we're not the demographic. But actually, actually, I think eventually they'll want our money too. It was probably <laughs> a massive mistake at the start to tell existing cricket fans it's not for you. I mean, mm. I think honestly think that will go down as one of the pivotal moments in the whole competition's history because cricket should be for everybody. And it absolutely should be for fans. That, that is literally ab- their tagline. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't at the start. It wasn't at the start. The, the Gerald Ratner moment. Uh... It wasn't, was it? It was, it was literally, um, it, it's not for you. It's not for existing cricket lovers. It's for this mm-hmm. new audience. And I think they alienated a lot of people. I mean, some, a lot of their taglines. Every ball matters. <laughs> I mean, of course it does. But d- did it not when Jimmy Anderson was bowling at Virat the other day? Yeah, we're back to marketing. <clears throat> yeah, but marketing should always surely be inclusive. It shouldn't literally push people in the face and say it's not for you. And, and, and it shouldn't. If you're selling, if you're a pub and you're selling beer and wine, you don't put a skull and crossbones on, on the wine because you want to sell the beer. That's what they, why would you? Why would you say that your other products, the, every ball doesn't matter, and you know this is for drunk people? That's basically what they're saying about the blast now. Alcoholic, come on in. <laughs> I think that it, it, you do have to put skull and crossbones on certain products, don't you? These days, because what you know, are you drinking? <laughs> but, uh, I was thinking more cigarettes, but you know there are there are examples of uh, where that is fine from a marketing spe- perspective. Um, yeah, well, anyway, I think we've we've chased off any new audience that we possibly had. Um, <laughs> the uh, the cutoff is definitely looming here, and we don't want to lose uh, another boundary rider. Um, it's like a podcast, but longer. <laughs> <laughs> it'll it'll never work. Um, England and India will be attempting to get one over on each other, uh, as well as this not so great British summer uh, when the second test starts at Lords on Thursday. Um, the hundred—that's uh, not going anywhere either. We'll be back to rain on someone's parade soon enough. Until then, my thanks to Miller and George, and to you all for tuning in to the Switch It podcast, brought to you by ESPNCrickInfo.com. Mm-hmm.